This is Sarah Stewart-Holland. And this is Beth Silvers. Thank you for joining us for Pantsuit Politics. As we celebrate the holidays here at Pantsuit Politics, we decided to take a different approach to our year-end retrospective. Instead of featuring an entire episode, we wanted to highlight our conversations throughout the year about some of the biggest stories of 2022. Of course, one story stood out among the rest. Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February of this year has dominated the headlines and featured prominently in our conversations here at Pantsuit Politics. With a story as important as this one, we thought looking back on how we have felt at different points in the conflict was important, and we hope you find it helpful as well. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Traditionally, financial planning advice is either only for those who are already wealthy or salespeople calling themselves financial advisors who say they'll give you free financial advice but really just sell products to earn commissions. Fearless Finance takes a dramatic departure from either of those traditional models. Their entire business is built on making financial advice accessible and affordable because we know that financial literacy, stress reduction, and financial security are critical to overall well-being. I'm a little bit obsessed with Elizabeth, our fearless finance advisor. I've had an array of advisors in the past who answered questions like, should we be spending less on this with evasive answers like, it depends on your priorities. Not Elizabeth. She answers with actually helpful guidelines. You're spending more than the average family of five, or I'd like to see this increase by 6%. Uh, thank you. This is Fearless Finance's mission, to make advice affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually and they charge you by the hour. You only pay for the time you use down to a quarter hour. Their planners meet with you where you are on your financial journey, no judgment. Visit fearlessfinance.com today. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit and you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use the code pantsuit. That's fearlessfinance.com and use code pantsuit for $50 off your first planning meeting. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. We released an episode the next day that included this conversation. The first thing to understand is that Ukraine is under strike from land, from air, by sea. Russian troops are coming into the country from Belarus in the north. 
Russia in the east, and Crimea in the south. I thought this was really helpful perspective from the dispatch. They wrote, on the ground in Ukrainian cities thus far, the situation might best be summed up with one word, lines. Mm -hmm. Lines to get cash out of the ATM. Lines to pick up prescriptions at the pharmacy. Lines to fill up at the gas station. Thousands upon thousands of cars were seen stuck in traffic Thursday morning attempting to leave Kiev and head west toward Poland and away from Russia. That perspective on what people in Ukraine are doing and facing right now helped me get a better sense of what an invasion means. And also lines to sign up and fight. There was a picture in the New York Times, and I'm choking up just thinking about it, of a room full of adults sitting there like in coats that look like mine, on cell phones that look like mine, waiting for instructions on how to go defend their country. The stress and the intensity on their faces, it took my breath away. You can tell that Ukraine is a country that has been dealing with Russia for a very long time and dealing with Russian aggression and violence for a very Mm -hmm. long time. And there is a, a real era of defiance. The president, Volodymyr Zelensky, reportedly does not have plans to evacuate. He issued an address in Russian directly to the Russian people. He said he knew that they wouldn't see it on Russian TV, but he hoped it would get to them. And he said, we we don't want this. And what I really appreciated in his appeal to the Russian people is, is how he said, here's what's going to happen. War is pain, blood, mud, and death. It is a grave tragedy. And that tragedy has a great cost in all senses of the word. We know for sure we do not need a war, not a cold one, not a hot one, not a hybrid one. But if these forces attack us... If you attempt to take away our country, our freedom, our lives, the lives of our children, we will defend ourselves. Not attack, defend. And in attacking, you are going to see our faces, not our backs, our faces. I thought his speeches, both to the Ukrainian people and to the Russian people, were so intense. And I <laughs> I think about this man who uh, several years ago was a comedian, and now this is the moment that history has found him. I was really struck by a sentence in his speech to the Russian people where he said, we are different, but we don't have to be enemies. I understand that in an authoritarian country, the state media is powerful. But I also have to believe that the Internet is powerful. And I hope that his message gets out there. And I believe to a certain extent it will. There are lots of statements coming out from world leaders There are very courageous statements being made by world leaders of countries that share real proximity with Russia, Estonia, Finland. Poland, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania have already triggered NATO's Article 4, which requires member states to consult when the territorial integrity, political independence, or security is threatened of member states. We do know that we're expecting crushing sanctions. The EU has said these are going to be the harshest sanctions we've ever implemented. I think it's difficult as a citizen to really think through what sanctions mean, but they are a form of hard power. Mm. They're that imposing economic consequences. Uh, that's real. It, yeah. it is It is not a statement. There is something real about that. And they'll be real for everybody. I think we have adopted this expectation that sanctions only work if they are highly targeted, punish the bad guys and nobody else. But the truth is sometimes they're effective when they make the lives of the people in the country harder, and they're going to make our lives harder. They're most certainly going to make the lives of Europeans harder because of the way their energy resources are tied up with Russia. But I do want to say, as we talk about how 
the sanctions affect the Russian people. I do want to take a moment and make sure that we are delineating and differentiating very clearly and purposely the people of Russia from the leadership of Russia. I sat down with Griffin for the news brief this morning, and we talked about that, that the Russian people are not Vladimir Putin. Whether they live here, whether they live in Russia, whether they've chosen to stay or leave, I just think as much as we can, we need to to speak that out loud in our conversations, that what Vladimir Putin is doing is a war crime and is wrong and dangerous and is going to cost lives. But that does not mean we saddle every Russian citizen with those actions. But Beth, I am wondering how you're thinking about Vladimir Putin in this moment. I really strongly agree with you when you talk about differentiating Putin from the Russian people. And I just think it is impossible as an American citizen who has not lived abroad to understand what it's like to live under someone like Putin. And I agree with you. I hope that the power of the internet gets this message to the Russian people. I think that the thing that gives me the most hope in this situation is that the Ukrainian people, they've had that access and are determined and resolved. And Ukraine is big. It is territorially big. It's the biggest country that has all of its land mass in Europe. And so to talk about this in the defeatist terms that we're hearing from some members of Congress and some members of the media, mm-hmm. I find foolish. I find it foolish. I do not like that. I do not like it at all. It makes me very angry. As if these people don't remember Afghanistan under either Russian occupation or American occupation or, I don't know, Vietnam. It's not like there aren't examples of when a overpowered nation that had a lot on the line held their ground. And I really dislike the way it's just like, well, Russia can if they want to. And it's not just even for members of Congress. It's members of the media. And I want them to shut up. I don't like that at all. I think it's wrong to talk about it like that. And and ahistorical. I think it's both true that the Russian military uh, possesses incredible might and true that a people that want to govern themselves are formidable. Mm-hmm. And the Ukrainian people are formidable. It's a lot. And I think I just have to remind myself that earlier this week, as an American citizen, there was lots of geopolitical conflict that both affected me and didn't. And that has not changed. And in other ways, things have changed. And because of the history of World War One and World War Two, because of our alliances in Europe, this is different. And I think we just have to acknowledge that difficult reality and follow the news and understand it's important and understand we still live in a democracy. And so it is important to stay informed and watch what's happening and engage with your fellow citizens because it is important, but that there is a there's a limited list of action items available to us. And that is that is really hard when you see people suffering like you see the Ukrainian people suffering. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. 
Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We use our phones for everything at this point, but did you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library, a fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My son Oliver is almost two. The desire for more hours in the day has never been more real for me in my life. An extra hour for reading, for sleeping, for working, for playing, I could use any of it. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and to then make it a priority. Therapy can help you figure that out, help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. Just last week, my mom actually asked me about my experience with BetterHelp after hearing ads like this one for it. And I'm telling you what I told her. BetterHelp was the perfect solution for me in a time of my life when I had too many plates to juggle, but still very much needed to talk to someone about the experience of keeping all those plates in the air. BetterHelp made therapy easy and accessible right when those were qualities I needed most. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just fill out a very brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. The next discussions you'll hear are from our early March episodes, March 1st, 4th, and 11th. At that time, Western nations were increasing sanctions, Vladimir Putin's tactics in Ukraine were escalating, and Ukraine's President Zelensky submitted an application for NATO membership. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 21st. It had amassed almost 200,000 troops along the border of Ukraine, and the expectation was that the Ukrainian military would be Far outmatched. Beth, I feel very good about our analysis that that was ahistorical and not something to count on. Because now as we sit here five days later, as we're recording on Monday, Russia has failed to take a single major city in Ukraine. 
and the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian people have put up an incredible fight. I feel a tenderness here because I don't know what the situation will be by the time you hear this podcast. Every time I read something about the Ukrainian people putting up this fight, I feel like the next sentence is, and Russia still has this capacity. So it's it's a fragile situation. That's how I check the news all weekend. I literally would like open my phone and very gingerly like scroll to my little New York Times widget read the headline very quickly to make sure it was still mostly positive and then shut my phone down. I'd be like, that's it. I just <laughs> I was like, that's all I want to know. I just want to know that things are still going mostly well. I'm terrified of any negative news surrounding Zelensky. And I would just shut my phone down and walk away. Like that, that was literally my energy all weekend. And I had a hard time because I don't want to check in on a war like I'm checking on the World Series or something. I don't really know how to process this news in a responsible way. I don't know how to be so moved by a political leader like Zelensky and not just him, but all of the high level Mm -hmm. leaders in Ukraine uh, standing in the street with their cell phones saying we are here and we are fighting. You know, this we don't need we don't need a ride. We need ammunition. This clarity of purpose and resolve It is so unlike what we've witnessed from political leaders across the globe in similar situations and certainly here in the United States where political courage is frequently in short supply. So I don't know how to applaud that and be moved by it without uh, giving short shrift to the very real danger that they face and the very real sacrifices that they're making And the fear that they have to feel, even as they have this clarity of purpose. Uh, So I have found myself also just kind of feeling like if I stand very, very still, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I won't do any harm here. And that's that's the best I can do, right? Not doing any harm. The best we can do, the most powerful thing the world did was root for the Ukrainian people over the weekend in very public ways, including... The Russian people taking to the streets and protesting this conflict like that is a that is a type of weapon in the geopolitical moment we live in. Right. You know, I don't want to watch it like it's a TV show, but in this weird way, like the way you participate in a geopolitical moment like this is the pressure a global audience can give like the global citizenship can give to stand up and say, no, like there is a part of me that thinks the way we all feel right now is the. The wind behind the sails of these incredible, really historical sanctions that the West is taking, right? Like if we were if we were not tapped in, if we were not invested, I think it would be different. I really do. It is not that I disagree with any of that. And certainly this is Putin's war, not Russia's war. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine what it would feel like to be in Russia right now and have the economy free falling. I can't imagine what it would be like to have sent a loved one into Ukraine where the Ukrainian people greet that loved one of yours saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? If we share all this history and culture, what are you doing here? So I think that you're right that there is a clear aggressor and that mm-hmm. it is a, a singular aggressor, really. And my hope is that all of this public pressure and outcry 
will encourage both the Ukrainian resistance and the Russian resistance, the people of Russia who are taking enormous risk with their own safety to protest this war. And my other hope is that just as we continue as a species to live on this planet, that we see war with greater clarity like this all the time. Mm -hmm. Because I think that part of what's going on right now is that it just feels so senseless. It feels like the most unnecessary suffering that's happening right now. I had a full fall apart this morning. Uh, You know, I, I had been still a lot physically over the weekend. And then I worked out this morning and I came home and I was making my oatmeal and Chad came in the kitchen and I just lost it. And I was like, I could I could not put our kids on a train and leave you to fight. Like I could I I am so mad that families are being asked this in Ukraine. It makes me so angry. So I agree with you on almost everything that you said. I think I still feel that sense of let me be still. Because so rapidly we are seeing discussion of nuclear weapons in Belarus so rapidly. We're talking about Switzerland not being neutral in this fight. We're talking about whether Finland now wants to come and be part of the, the of NATO, right? We Just years worth of global change culminating in a period of days, Germany taking a much more aggressive posture than it has in decades. And I don't know what will come of any of that. And I am concerned sitting in a country that like really screwed Ukraine over time after time after time from the end of the Cold War through our failure to hold President Trump accountable for that inappropriate call with with Zelensky. I just am struggling with sort of the, well, it's a clear narrative. And so I have a clear cheerleading spot. And I'm going to root for this all the way through and and then we'll figure it out on the other side. I just feel too many pieces moving at once to not still have a sense of complexity, even though I do think that this is Putin doing an act of pure evil in the world. And I don't use the word evil very often at all, but I think that's what this is. And understanding that the Ukrainian people are defying a lot of expectations by rising to say, no, we we are not aggressors, but we will defend our country. And I, and I am moved by that, to be sure. This just feels right to me. The way that the Ukrainian people are defending themselves and the rest of the globe is supporting them. It feels different than what we've done in the past, and it feels right. I don't I know that <laughs> sounds like emotional. I don't know another way to put it. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm not a security official, but if the point is to support national identity and borders, then saying we will support you in your fight feels right to me. It feels like a sturdier foundation to start rebuilding that democratic ideal around the globe. I am encouraged that we seem to be willing to sacrifice something across the world, that private industry is willing to sacrifice something to say, 
what Putin's doing here is unacceptable. I think it is good for us to start to understand that sacrifice can take a lot of different forms, that we are able to participate without sending troops into Ukraine, I think is is good and encouraging and, and needed. I think the American public needs to see a way that United that the United States can be a leader in the world that mm-hmm, doesn't involve mm-hmm. us using our military directly in combat. I'm aware that we're using our military in a lot of ways uh, surrounding this fight. Certainly, we have people in those NATO countries right now prepared and at risk. So I don't want to minimize their uh, sacrifice and service either. It's just very complicated. And knowing how early we are into this and how many different directions it could take, I want to be where you are, Sarah, and I just feel still up in knots about it because I think so much can change and there are so many factors here. A brief update. Again, this situation remains extremely fluid. What we know today is we are recording on Thursday. The United Nations estimates that more than a million people have fled Ukraine. There are reports of refugees encountering racist violence and discrimination as they try to leave Ukraine. Thousands of people, both Ukrainians and Russians, have died. Really hard to get a handle on the exact numbers, but we know it's a lot of people and it will be even worse as Putin has escalated the indiscriminate violence that Russian troops are bringing to Ukraine. Governments, corporations, international organizations are using every economic tool at their disposal to isolate and punish Russia, and the costs of that isolation are starting to be felt throughout the world. Russian citizens are protesting the war, risking arrest and violence from the Russian government. Many Russians are leaving the country. We have a real humanitarian crisis as medical supplies are running short. Aid is needed throughout Ukraine and on every side of Ukraine at the borders. Soldiers are starting to go from other countries into Ukraine to assist Ukrainian fighters. The International Criminal Court is launching a war crime investigation. Disinformation abounds. There are fake and misleading videos flooding TikTok. It is really not hyperbolic to say that in one week, the history of the world has changed. And as we are recording right now, we do not have an end in sight. Yeah, it feels like we've switched from a, you know, unjustified invasion to just a war of terror on Mm -hmm. the citizens. Of Ukraine. And there was a daily episode from the New York Times. They interviewed a military reporter and they said that, you know, military experts in the United States expect Russia to ultimately prevail and that then you would have this long term insurgency. And I know it sounds like I am switching gears here because when I first said I don't think this invasion is going to go the way I think it does, I think that's ahistorical and that people that have something to fight for put up quite the resistance. And now I'm going to say, you know, looking back at the history, well, I think understandable to say, oh, well, this is what we've seen in the past. You see this insurgency, it stretches out. I get that. I also think that that is ignoring the very new reality of these economic sanctions and the economic reality of Russia. Because you know what fighting long-term insurgencies take? Money and stability, which they have neither of right now. And so I don't know. I feel like the likelihood of sort of this long-term protracted situation, especially at the rate at which he is accelerating, it does not seem as likely to me as I feel like some of the analysis is is concluding. What do you think? I don't know how this ends, but I do know as a U.S. citizen 
that the political will to do a long-term occupation of a country that is resisting Mm -hmm. is important for that effort to be sustainable and successful. And even in an authoritarian country, even in an authoritarian country, especially in an authoritarian country where people are not getting enough to eat Mm -hmm. and struggling to get access to their own cash and unable to buy the things that they need to buy for everyday life. And your rich people are unhappy, which also seems like a real liability. And the other thing that strikes me that I cannot understand as an American citizen uh, in the depth that I think is in play here is that there is a connection between the Ukrainian people and the Russian people. Mm -hmm. And that connection both motivates Putin to do this and I think creates this tremendous conflict for Russian soldiers who are being asked to go into Ukraine. And so how sustainable it is when your soldiers don't understand or are extremely conflicted about the cause, Mm -hmm. I think this is tough. Again, I don't know how it ends, and I try to keep a lot of humility around this whole topic. I have found myself mystified by other people's reactions to what's going on in Ukraine. I have found myself extremely sensitive and extremely frustrated in discussions about this topic. And so I am trying to just be open-minded about my own reactions and everyone else's to what's going on here and certainly to what's going to happen next. But I do think that your point that there are a lot of new factors at Mm -hmm. work here is important to us not adopting like a sense of resignation about any potential outcome, including the idea that because we've gotten all this information that Ukraine is putting up a fight, that means that it's going great. It's a wide open field of possibility, I think, as to what happens next. I just think that's the balance you always have to do when you're looking at the lessons of history. You cannot ignore them. We've seen that over and over and over again, right? That's the march of folly. But at the same time, the lesson of history is that things change. And yeah, there are lessons, but they they don't always equally apply. In particular, the economic aggression mm-hmm. towards Russia that I support, just it's different. You can't compare this in any way, shape, or form to the Russian conflict in Afghanistan, the United States conflict in Afghanistan, Russia in Syria, Russia in Georgia, Crimea, us in Vietnam. Like there's just no historical equivalency to this level of like just, you know, pushing them out of the global economy. Yeah, we talked about having this conversation with your kids. And Jane was asking me some questions about it this morning because she continues to hear kids kind of referring to World War Three, And mm-hmm. I told her there is no comparison to World War Two here, really. It's different weapons, different interests. It's a different Germany. It's a different. I mean, every mm-hmm. everything is different from from that time period. So while the whole world is involved today, I don't think we need to sit around thinking that it's going to play out that way. Right. Because it. The entire landscape is different. But the other thing I wanted to share with you about Jane is that so she's 11. She's a fifth grader. She is very upset that they're not discussing this in her classes at school. She's very upset about it. And I don't just bring this up all the time at home, but she knows she's aware that it's happening. She knows that I work on it. And this morning I was getting ready and she came in my bathroom and said, Mom, can you believe they're not talking to us about this at school? Wow. And I said, Jane, what do you think is the most important question that you want addressed at school? And she said, why is this happening? 
And she said, I know what you've told me, that Putin lives in the past and that he believes Ukraine belongs to Russia. But I still don't understand why he's allowed to just do this. So we had a talk about authoritarianism and why we value American democracy and all of the the checks on power that we have here. And I said, well, what do you think your teachers ought to do in this situation? She goes, I don't know. You know, she's 11. So everything is delivered with a healthy side of exasperation. She's, I don't know. But maybe like take five minutes and acknowledge that it's going on and let us talk about it a little bit. And I said, well, why do you think they're not doing that? Because they don't want to scare anybody. Mm. And she goes, I just think that's ridiculous because something is always going to be scary and we need to figure out how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like in my head thinking, (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad this is how she is managing this because that's honest, right? That's honest and and pretty mature. And it's a perspective that I'm going to keep with me as I continue to take in all this information. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Traditionally, the advice would be pick one. But thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ugh, ugh, out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka bra Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. That's code PODCAST15. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly ebay gets it so look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch stitch sole and logo is checked by experts with ebay authenticity guarantee you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach ensure your next purchase is the real deal visit ebay.com for terms The situation is changing quickly in some ways, and it's not changing in other ways. And that lack of momentum, as far as what is being reported in the United States, makes it easy for a lot of us to sort of tune out. That lack of momentum combined with how 
much more violent this is becoming, how much more senseless it's becoming, how gruesome some of the reporting is, especially about this bombing of a maternity hospital. So we recognize that it's hard for everyone to hang in with in a way that feels like it's doing anything except creating more anxiety. We also recognize that this is historically important, that it will shift the world, that it is shifting American foreign policy in ways that are going to have long-lasting consequences. And so, Sarah, maybe the best thing we can do is talk a little bit about how this is showing up in our personal lives and our personal conversations. Yeah, I think it's important for all of us to remember is that we never know the whole story, even with fantastic reporting, especially with the sort of back and forth with these countries um, as far as what's going on. And I think you're right. I think gruesome is actually the best word because what is our ethical obligation to pay attention to gruesome, horrific realities in another part of the world that we have almost no control over? It's really hard. I mean, and it's still, you know, I, I feel the attention to the coverage lessening. There's even like reporting on that, that the stories aren't getting as many as interactions. And it is different at the beginning when we were all like, well, wait, what's going to happen? And how is that going to affect the rest of the world? Those questions are still relevant, but it feels like the more days we stack up where we know what's going to happen, which is Russia is going to continue to commit war crimes. Ukrainians are going to continue to resist and people are going to die. Okay, so now... Now what, right? You know, at my my church last night, the older kids met, and they were taking prayer requests. I was there. My friend Diane reported this this scene to me, and somebody said, well, we should pray for the people of Ukraine. They're like, yes, yes. So that tells me, like, whether or not we're all engaged in that coverage, the kids, if the kids are paying attention enough to, to make prayer requests, it's still out there in the world, for sure. And then someone said... Well, should we pray for the people of Russia? I know they're the bad guys. And, you know, they had a conversation about, well, sometimes, you know, when there's a leader making really terrible choices, the people don't have a lot of control over that. And we're still called to love people. And it's still important to pray for people, even people that are hurting others. And then somebody said, well, should we pray for Vladimir Putin? (sighs) And they had a conversation about, well, you know, we're still called to love and Vladimir Putin is still a human being. And I thought, I mean, maybe that's the best we can do right now is to remind ourselves, especially the the person that is in control, the person that is committing these gruesome acts is not a two dimensional character. He is a real human being because it just it makes it, you know, with the stories in the news it starts to become a story we're just watching. And it's hard to have those moments where we, like, realize, no, this is this is happening. These aren't just photos. This isn't just video footage. This is happening to someone right now, millions and millions of people. I was at the salon last week, and the person who I work with there, who I know is very passionate about politics, usually in the opposite direction of me, mm-hmm. was talking about Ukraine. And she said... That she is every day praying for Vladimir Putin that something will soften his heart, that something Mm -hmm. will awaken him to the consequences of his actions and cause him to stop. And in some ways, it was 
a hard conversation to have because you think like, God, I'm getting my eyebrows waxed while people are <laughs> being bombed and hiding in basements and trying to get on a train to escape this. But in another way, it was the most satisfying conversation I've had with someone about Ukraine because I felt like, you know, even though we have this whole discourse about what good thoughts and prayers are are in the country, that was such a meaningful shorthand to me to just say, our hearts sincerely desire peace. Our hearts sincerely desire for people to not be senselessly driven out of their country or killed in it. And whatever it takes to get there, we, we hope that we will get there. And here we are, not able to effectuate any of that change, but putting out with our emotions and our minds that we sincerely desire peace. We still sincerely desire peace. And we will continue to follow the invasion of Ukraine through 2023. If you would like to listen to the full episodes these highlights came from, the list is in the show notes. Thank you for joining us here at Paint Soup Politics. We'll continue sharing the highlights of our favorite conversations about the top news stories over the next two weeks. And we hope you are having the best holiday available to you. Pantsuit Politics is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. Elise Knapp is our managing director. Maggie Penton is our community engagement manager. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Our show is listener-supported. Special thanks to our executive producers. Martha Brunitsky. Allie Edwards. Janice Elliott. Sarah Greenup. Julie Haller. Helen Handley. Tiffany Hassler. Emily Holliday. Katie Johnson. Katina Zuganellis-Kasling. Barry Kaufman. Molly Kors. Catherine Vollmer. Lori Ladau. Lily McClure. Linda Daniel. Emily Neasley. The Pettins! Tawny Peterson. Tracy Putoff. Sarah Ralph. Jeremy Sequoia. Katie Steigers. Karen True. Annika Uveline. Nick and Elisa Vallelli. Amy Whited. Emily Helen Olson. Lee Shea McDonough. Jeff Davis. Melinda Johnston. Michelle Wood. Joshua Allen. Morgan McHugh. Nicole Berkless, Paula Bremer, and Tim Miller.